Welcome to the Hypnotic Comic Live Show. Finding that entertainment without meaning isn't cutting it anymore? Do you want to feel deeply connected, yet lifted up into the heights of laughter? you found that place where comedy meets the full expansion of life's possibilities. Now, for your hypnotically comical host, Jenna... Grayson! <laughs> That's me screaming for myself, uh, in case you're wondering. Yes. Hi, this is Donna. I am your hostess with the mostess uh, on the hypnotic comedy, comic, excuse me, the hypnotic comic live show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We are super stoked to have you here and excited and we're going to have an amazingly fun and insightful very literally we're going to be looking in with clear sight illuminating some really amazing things here today um before we get into the subject of this show today and i introduce my beautiful really brilliant deeply gifted Guest, I'm going to introduce myself a little bit to you, give myself a little plug. What up? I'm Jenna Grayson. Um, I've been a hypnotherapist for the last 11 years. I'm really grateful to do this work. And um, I work especially um, specializing in the field of healing anxiety-related conditions. So if you got some performance anxiety, stage fright, you know, having trouble sleeping, eating too much, sleeping not enough, lots of different things. I've talked to people who are, like, afraid to go in elevators, afraid to go in airplanes, and it's really fun to give people their freedom and liberation and empowerment back. So um, I also do past life regression, which is super woo-woo. I'm admitting it. It is super woo-woo, but it really has illuminated for me the real meaning and purpose of our lifetimes and the things that we take with us, the things that get repeated, the things that when we resolve them, they don't haunt us or trouble us or cause us suffering anymore. So that's some things that I do, and I do them long distance over the phone, and I do them in person. I'm located in Los Angeles area, more specifically in Orange County these days, but out in L.A. regularly, also performing uh, regularly at the Comedy Store in Hollywood. What? on Sunset Boulevard, which is the comic piece. So um, you might not be able to tell right now, but I'm pretty funny. Uh, so today our guest is uh, a really magical human being who I'm super honored and grateful to have on the show, Lori Shayu. I'm going to do a little bio before we bring Lori onto the show. Lori Shayu is an MA, a master in her own right and a global leader in the field of autism with over 20 years of direct experience with children on the, on the autism spectrum. And uh, she is an insightful intuitive and Lori has the gift, has seen the gift in autism as a visionary, a writer, an agent for change. 
Lori is known to step outside of the conventional box, and we love that here at the Hypnotic Comic Live Show, and she sees autism in a whole new light, emphasis on the word light. We're going to learn more about that. Um, Lori earned her master's degree in spiritual psychology from the world-renowned University of Santa Monica, and through her training and experience, she has learned how to empower herself and others, kids and parents, by utilizing her innate capacity to laser in on any blockages and give insight into the current occurring issue. And with her unique coaching skills and techniques, she gently yet boldly guides people on how to effectively and lovingly communicate with those on the spectrum, including nonverbal kids, uh, as well as the people in their lives, and including, and most importantly, communicating with ourselves. Lori also has her own podcast giving, called giving, um, giving a Voice to the Gift Beyond the Label. And you can find more information about Lori and her services at her website, www.thegiftsofautism.com. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome with me. Give me a warm, warm welcome to my beautiful and really exceptional guest today, Lori Shayu. Lori. <laughs> Thank you, Jenna. Thank you for that uh, introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Especially that magical piece. (laughs) The magical piece? Like that. Yes. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Always, always. I'm I'm really glad and grateful to illuminate the magic when I can find it. And you're definitely, um, right? You're definitely one of those um, bringers and reminders of the magic of life. And, you know, I think the word magic can be... (laughs) confused for illusion but really we're cutting through the illusion and so like right to bringing the Mm -hmm. light into the ordinary and that is that is the magic that i'm interested in talking about on the show so thank you so much for joining us and um really appreciate you bringing your your magic and your presence and your 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 gift um Mm. to the show and your gift of you know your capacity to see through um, the ordinary, the ordinary. Right, right. Wow. I really appreciate you being able to see me in my magic and I definitely see these kids in their yeah. magic. So I'm excited to be yeah. able to share that with you and with the audience here. Cool. Very cool. Well, let's just get started with like the basics in terms of like how you got started and working with kids with autism or like awesome. why you were drawn to them and did this kind of all happen at the same time or, um, <laughs> That is a great question. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Okay, go ahead. So, yeah, uh, first of all, my perception that I have today definitely didn't start out that way. Um, I started working with the children in 1990, way back when autism wasn't even a, wasn't even like a common word at the time. It was like one Mm. out of 10,000 kids actually were on the spectrum. So Mm -hmm. uh, autism wasn't even a word that most people even heard of, although it's been around forever but you know but the amount of the kids that are diagnosed with autism today obviously it's a lot more than it was back then and so when I first started I was a preschool teacher um and 
it's really easy to work with the children because they're children. They're little, they're fun, you know, they're open-minded, they're innocent. Um, so I worked in a classroom that was actually reverse mainstream, which means it was a special ed classroom, but also had some typically developing kids as well in the classroom. Um, but for some reason, I was always drawn to these kids on the spectrum. And I just would remember them sitting in my lap and just really just being so present and so, like, plushy, you know, <laughs> just so sweet. Um, but it was in 1995 when I had my, so, I mean, I'll just say when, when I first started and I learned about autism and mainly we, we are taught about autism. People tell us what autism is. It's a developmentally delayed uh, issue. You know, it's social issues and communication issues, all of these different things that, that you learn that that's what autism is about. So most people mm-hmm. do buy into that belief. Um, and I did as well. So that's kind of how I started. But working with children was easy to sort of break through some things. And they were, you know, typical in a lot of ways as well. But in 1995, I had my, what I call my turnaround story, my breakthrough, mm. which um, still today, I mean, I get goosebumps when I think about it. So the little boy's name is Michael. And every morning, like clockwork, and a lot of these kids are very routine. And he would, mm-hmm. during uh, our little playtime, he would build a cabin out of Jenga blocks and every day. Mm-hmm. And it looked so easy. He made it look so easy. I was like, I'm going to sit next to him. I'm going to build my own. I'm going to emulate what, what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I got as far as the roof <laughs> and, and it would just like collapse, you know, three times. And I was like, what? Like, what? He makes it look so easy. Why can't I do this? I mean, it just... So finally, I just watched him sort of like cock his head a little bit, like to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I just had this clarity. Like it was just like this aha moment where he literally could see the exact degrees that he was placing these blocks at. So for for me, right, right, right. It's a big whoa because I think (laughs) we do it in a very vague manner. You know, it's like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. yes, you know, it's leaning that way. Of course, that's very obvious, right? But Right. I could see he had a level of degrees he could see at. Like, I don't know how I knew it, intuitively, something. Just like, mm-hmm. I just got it. And as I got it, he just looked at me with this big grin on his face. It was like, you got it! Yay! It's like, I got it. And wow. Was, so he also tuned into you, it sounds like. Like, he, he was could totally tell tuned that into you were me. <laughs> And you were tuned into him, and you are both like, <laughs> yeah, I think he was working with me more than I was working with him. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, yeah, magical. that's amazing. I can really hear that. And so, when you saw him tuning into the that perfect angle, that perfect degrees, as you said, that he was able to create the Jenga house or castle mm-hmm. or you know, structure that, and you guys had this nonverbal communication where you're like, "I get it," and he's like you do get it, and I get that you get me yes. in this moment, and you guys are, like, communicating without words, yeah? Is that what that felt like? That was it, and I and I remember thinking, oh, my God, there's gifts in autism. Like, that's a uh, huge reframe. Oh, my God, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, for sure. So in that moment, what was the gift like that, just that he had a capacity that we don't have, that he could see the angles, or what was it that you could see as the gift or was it just kind of like there's more than I even know at this moment? 
I mean, at that very moment, you know, there, I think there were things happening in the, in the unseen levels as well. So like intuitive, you can call it, um, for me, it was like, it was also, it was also me saying like, there are gifts in autism, which opened Uh up this doorway for me. So like, Uh I just remember thinking, oh my God, there's gifts in autism. And then like Uh something illuminated when I said that there was gifts in autism. And then my curiosity started to open. And then I started asking them, all of them, you know, show me your gifts, show me your gifts. Like, oh my, like I just saw a hundred percent that, that he cocked his head and there was like, he could see a certain degree, like it was say 45, but it maybe it was 43. You know what I mean? Like where we would just see a very, you know, big, you know, visual, like we would think, oh, well, you just, you know, just that's how it goes. But no, he saw exactly like the degree amount and Later on, I mean, I, you know, there was the scene, there was a, a scene in Temple Grandin where she literally shows, like, when she built the gate that she could see the degrees. But this is years after I already sort of discovered that as well through Michael. Um, but I think it was really me just opening my mind and my curiosity to, like, like okay, if that's a gift, and, and I definitely saw that gift, like, show me more gifts. And then I, I started, like, moving outside of the box. Like I, I went outside of like, okay, there's all of these deficits, you know, these challenges, which, which they could be, and, and they can also be a gift. So like one is sensitivity. One is like sensory. They will call it an autism world. They call it like sensory overload. And a lot of us see, you know, the kids are always like covering their ears. Like we all see it. This is not a magical observation. They, most people that have children on the spectrum cover their ears because they have such acute hearing. You know, I call it like a uh, highly tuned, you know, highly tuned in hearing. And, you know, when you start really understanding that, things start to fit together a little bit more. Like, okay, well, these kids are really, really connected. They're highly tuned in. And so how other, like what other ways are they also tuned in? You know what I mean? So that's where my curiosity goes. Like, where else are they tuned in? You know, one of the kids, well, not one, a lot of them, you know, they'll hear like the ice cream truck way before we hear the ice cream truck coming down the street. And we'll, they'll, they'll be like, ice cream, running to the window, ice cream, ice cream. And like the mom will say like, no, there's no ice cream truck, you know, because we can't hear it, but they can hear it. <laughs> so that's another example, you know, of how they're so highly tuned in. Beautiful. Beautiful. Very good. I love it. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I would love to hear also more about, um, you know, some of the things that you've learned over the years, some of the things that you've discovered that um, they've shared with you in that place of continuing to grow your connection and grow your communication. Mm-hmm. Well, I have, I have, have, you? have a ton, I have a ton of examples. Um, I Great. do want to say again, it's not that I, w- I woke up to this perspective. I sure didn't. You know, I mean, even when I met Michael and Michael showed me this, like, new pathway, you could say, or just an insight, um, you know, still, it's still easy to get caught up in, like, the deficits because, like, you know, the school system is always, like, focusing on the deficits and the IEPs and all of that. And so you go out and they're different. So people are like judging the differences. But um, 
Uh, I'll give you another example. So, you know, again, I've been doing this for 28 years, actually. So it's a long time, 1990, Whoa. 2018, 28 yeah. years now. Yeah, it's a, lot, a long time. I love it. And the reason why I love it is because I learned, probably, I feel like I learned more from them than I can teach them. That's how. I, that's what I feel. Um, but one, one of the examples that I could share with you of, like, different levels of gifts is, I was going through what I call my depression experience in 2004, and uh-huh. it was a really hard time for me. I don't really, I haven't really shared this story before, so first timer here. <laughs> but uh-huh. so in 2004, okay. I was going through a really, really hard time. I was, I should, if I knew you, I would have gotten some sessions. <laughs> mm, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was going, I was going through depression and also anxiety, like at the lowest level of anxiety. And, but I also, you know, back when you're going through it, you're going through it, you believe me, you're not thinking like, this is, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You're just like, I hope I get through the day. Like it was really challenging. It was hell. I'm not going to lie. Cause you don't know if you're going to get through it, you know, and it's like, you're, you're barely like maintaining your life. I understand. Yeah. So, uh, there was one family that I used to work with and it's funny. I actually ended up working with them four days a week. So I would go to their house. I was doing ABA therapy, which is a whole nother story. <laughs> but okay. um, I, this one kid that I work with, I'll say his name, Ian, his first name. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was there, like I said, I could barely do anything. I was just like showing up. That was the best I could do at the time. And mm-hmm. I watched him and you know, I've been on a spiritual path for a while, you know, and mm-hmm. so I have some awarenesses. <laughs> Like you said, woo-woo, there's some woo-woo, but it's not really woo-woo. It's just being aware, really. Right. Um, but it's fun when people think it's woo-woo, and it's like, okay, I'll own it. It's woo-woo. But anyway, what I noticed <laughs> with this kid is that he, you know, that he would start doing these mudras with me. Like, I was there, and he was doing, like, all of these sort of, like, hand movements, fingers Posture. in a certain way. Yeah. Think about, mm-hmm. if you think about, like, the Buddha, you know, he does that. Sitting in meditation um, with his fingers touching. Exactly. But, but this kid, Ian, was doing a whole lot of different types of mudras. So not Dang. just one. Like and because fancy I was, finger poses. Lots of fancy finger poses. I, and, okay, <laughs> so even if I didn't know that, like, what he was doing, which, of course, I didn't really know exactly what he was doing, I, I would arrive in his house at 4 p.m., his family's house. And by 7 p.m., I left. I would walk in at 4 p.m., and I was tired. I was anxious. I was like, I don't want to be here. I was like, I have to be here because I have to make money so I can pay my rent type of thing. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. what got me there. But I really didn't have a whole lot of energy other than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, whenever I would leave that house, say at seven o'clock, I would have amazing energy by the time I left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how do you explain that at 7 p.m. after a three-hour session <laughs> that you have like a high level of energy and, like, you feel great, now you're ready to party. <laughs> That's amazing. So how do you explain that? that doesn't, it doesn't make any logical sense, Right. It doesn't right? make and any logical uh, It doesn't make and any I didn't logical sense. You know, in a time I didn't really, you know, I knew, okay, he was doing some things. And he was very, when I look at Ian, he was just such a unconditionally loving, accepting kid. Like, I could be myself. I mean, you, you can feel it. It's the same feeling we have with our dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to understand it to know that you feel accepted by your dog. Same thing. That's right. Not right. that I'm comparing dogs and autism, but I'm, I'm just, like, showing the 
same feeling of acceptance, which sometimes it's like, how you know, what does that feel like? Same thing. It's like, yeah, so like being the non-judgmental, in, the non-judgment space. Non-judgmental. And it's, it's, it's expansive. And I see that with like all mm-hmm. of the kids. I mean, they're all mm-hmm. at this level of, of acceptance. I mean, I don't think I've ever met, like, an autistic child that, well, I shouldn't say that. The ones I've worked with mostly have been extremely accepting of me, and I, I feel it, and right. unconditionally loving. So, and I have to say that my, my niche is really working with the nonverbal ones, the ones that people deem as severely autistic children. So, Yeah, like the unreachable uh, kind of kid. Yeah, that's what a lot of people call them, but not me. Right. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> They're very that's reachable. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is which is why I really wanted to have you on this show. I mean, there's so many things that you're saying that are just so exceptional, and um, I'm very interested in all of this. And I actually, um, mm-hmm. I told you before that I have a dear girlfriend who has a son with autism who's primarily nonverbal, and he's starting to speak a little bit at the age of 13. And mm-hmm. um, I just have always felt a really deep connection with him too, and a really strong interest in. Um, connecting with him in, in these ways that you're describing and feeling mm-hmm. his expansiveness and feeling his presence. And I remember when she was holding him and he, you know, I think he was a little bit older than a baby. Like, I guess you would call him like a toddler and she was holding mm-hmm. him and he was so quiet. And I remember exactly where we were standing, exactly the way she was holding him and exactly the way I felt looking at him and knowing that people thought something was wrong with him. And I was looking at him and feeling him and perceiving him with my own sensitivity and my own capacity to just be present and quiet with him. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. this child is a little Buddha. Like his presence mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. into me, he sees me, you know, he's not just like numbed out by drugs. Like, you know, you might think, oh, like a person or, you know, a being who's nonverbal or a being who's non not responsive in the same way that they're like, you know, like you would be if you were catatonic or on, you know, too many mm-hmm. drugs where you like aren't, you're, you're not coherent. He was profoundly coherent, you know, and I could experience his presence as being profoundly um, conscious and aware of me as he's looking at me. And I was like, Bing! like I went into that expansive state where I was like, not only is he non-judgmental of me or not, you know, judging or complaining in any way in his awareness, like an ordinary toddler might be uncomfortable with you looking at them or squirmy with their mom. He was just fully tuned in and looking into me in a way where I was like, oh my God, this child mm-hmm. sees me in a way that is not ordinary, you know, it's just really exceptional and special. And then, you know, later on he received that diagnosis and has had, you know, multiple challenges with it. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'm also really interested in that place between the like, okay, this is a profound human being and he's also really challenged by the world. You know, he's also really, really challenged by being right. in this sort of ordinary 3d experience where we're all conditioned by the 3d sensory input, you know, demands of being human. And like, how do we learn from that? And I know that's been your passion, Lori, and your interest is like, how do I learn from that state of non-conditioned presence? And it's like, you know, I think in many ways in my life and my journey, I've like sort of walked this tightrope of like wanting to be able to be conditioned by the world and get it and be normal. And at the same time, 
totally not wanting to be conditioned and then finding the ways that I've been conditioned and really hoping and wanting to uncondition myself, which has a lot of been been a lot of my interest in hypnotherapy is like how do I go into my subconscious mind and pull out those roots of limitation that you know mm-hmm. the world would have me believe in because I want to like pop back out into that reality. So um, no. you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a loaded. It's not even a question. It's like just a loaded concept. What you're just sharing. Yeah, but, it is, and it's super vulnerable for me too. I'm like, I appreciate you, and I see these kids. What you just described, I I seen it with hundreds of kids, and from what I hear, there's yeah. millions of these kids. And I want to say, first of all, that not all of the what you just described is. I have heard that, like, a lot of these kids are awakened souls. I'm going to say it. It's mm-hmm. really important. And what that means is that they're unveiled. They actually see the world as it is and not through their perceptions. Beautiful. You know, they see reality as it is. They know love is the answer. They know yeah. love is all there is. And, yeah, I mean, where do we, where do we find that, um, you know, where do we find that balance in this earthly plane, right? Like, how do we, how do we make it here on Earth, you know? It's hard, you know, and yeah. I talk to a lot of the kids on the spectrum and adults and, and they have a lot of different ways of expressing their, themselves. It's, a lot of them don't actually speak the ones that I communicate with. And some of them type and some of them actually use a letter board and they point to the, the letters and think about the effort that they have to put out into the world just to express their, themselves, their, their words. You know, we take it for granted the voice that we have. Mm-hmm. And every day I'm humbled by the voice that I have. So, you know, if I can share whatever I can share, especially if it comes to helping mm-hmm. families with autistic children and, and autistic children and adults, mm-hmm. such a joy and pleasure for me to do so. Mm, thank you so much. I really hear that. I really hear that in you, like just in terms of the words that you're using, that you are the voice. And you're grateful <laughs> to be able to be the voice. And also just hearing beyond the words as well, that's just like, um, yeah, you're a voice for these children. Mm-hmm. You're a voice for these children. And um, I know that they come to you, you know, both physically and non-physically <laughs> to communicate through you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. An- another really like, okay, coming out of the I'm outing here. you. I'm outing you. <laughs> Well, okay, so I mean, they do come. They come to me, and you know, it's to some people it sounds a little bit woo woo out there. And believe me, like if this would have happened to me, like even ten years ago, I would be like, I wouldn't believe it. So it's mm-hmm. all about opening your mind to you know, opening your mind to possibilities, right? And you know, the more that I open my mind to possibilities, the the and and the better questions I started asking, then I, I felt like what was happening was I was graduating to the next level. So in 2012 was a big breakthrough for me. I ended up, right before 2012, uh, I was presenting at this, uh, that's called Star Knowledge Conference, and I got to share about the gifts of autism there. These people are already so receptive to this message, and all of a sudden, like, I just saw these people who were just like, you know, like just eating up every word that was coming out of my mouth, you know, it was just like such a beautiful mm-hmm. confirmation and, and people really understood and heard me. And I, I felt really, you know, really appreciated, heard and seen. And I knew at that, that time that it was time for me to move into um, working with family and working with parents directly 
And I, at, at this point, I thought that the kids actually, from my perspective, that they're already pretty perfect. Yes, they need support. I'm not saying they don't. They definitely need support on this earth, you know, and there's many different ways to support them. Um, but what I was seeing that the parents actually needed to sh- shift the way that they saw their children, because if we continue to see our children as um, disabled and, you know, just focusing our attention on the deficits and the problems that we're going to just see more of that. It's like, you know, when they say like where the energy goes, where, where your thoughts go, the energy flows type of thing like that. So right. it'd be really, really mindful. And the kids have told me, Lucy, who we talked about the other day, uh, she said, you know, if whatever you believe, you're going to get more of that. So if you believe like your child is, you know, disabled, have, has all of these like, cognitive issues then, or behavioral issues, even better then you're going to see more of that. But if you start asking, you know, like, show me your magic, show me your gifts, uh, show me your spark, whatever, you know, looking for the light now, you're going to see more of that. So that's a really, really big piece to, to really shift your attention on, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. what Lucy said herself to me. And she was like, and she didn't just say that to me. She, she wrote a message to a, a lot of people and just said, you know, if teachers actually just, want to see, you know, like the deficits, they're writing the IEPs and they're all like, yes, you know, teachers are asked to write that. And that's why I had to unplug and leave that because it Mm. just felt so wrong for me to do it because I was not seeing seeing the children from that perspective anymore. I get that. I totally get mm -hmm. that. It brings up so many important um, pieces here. You know, there's so many things that I would like to say and illuminate in that. You know, mm-hmm. that it's it's a global sort of truth that what we focus on expands or where you sh- shine mm-hmm. your awareness. And even in our relationships, and maybe even more, most importantly, in our relationships, our relationship, you know, with their children, is like, what are you eliciting from your child? Right. And it's not to say the parents are to blame, but just to remember and to keep right, right. reminding ourselves that we have choice. Exactly. Am I appreciating, am I appreciating or looking for the gifts? in my child or my best friend or my partner, or am I looking for what's missing and focusing on that? I mean, it's a great reminder to me right now in this moment, you know, I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> right, oh, geez, right, right, man. For all of us. And, you know, I also, uh, personally, I have a background working in mental health and I used to work in a psychiatric hospital and it's very much a similar kind of thing. You know, this medical model that's, um, you know, really important to our country with, the insurance, you know, system set up as it is and the, um, you know, the tr- treatment models and the prescriptions and the money, you know, is, is directed and motivated through pathology. And so it's like in right. working in, in the hospital, it was like looking at the disease, looking at the disorder and finding what's wrong with people and sort of proving mm-hmm. on paper and with my awareness my attention and my questions, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that there wasn't suffering happening because there absolutely is and was. Right, and I right. would like to t- touch in on that with you too, you know, like how do we address the suffering? And at the same time, um, you know, really to be so primarily focused on what's wrong, what's wrong with my child, what's wrong with these kids, we're missing out on the perfection of them. Um, And also, I think, you know, there's that piece that brings up for me, too, is, like, 
whole other subject, but, you know, going into the topic of, like, well, what the heck is causing this? You know, like, why are these kids showing up so different in a way that they don't have the voice that, you know, quote, ordinary people have? That's that a great question. They don't have the social mm-hmm. skills that ordinary people have. And maybe it's the fault of, um, you know, the, the what do you call them, the injections that they got as babies? Vaccinations. Vaccinations, thanks. So I would mm-hmm. love for you to touch on all of that. You know, I mean, there's so many questions. I so, so appreciate this. Yeah, I really appreciate, I appreciate this piece because it's really, really important. And like I said, mm-hmm. you had just said it a little while ago, is that the, the children do communicate with me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is through uh, downloads, which is like, yeah, and we all have it, whether we, we're aware of it or not. It's just like uh, they'll sort of drop these ideas into my head in a way some people mm-hmm. call it clear, uh, uh, clear cognizant uh, a lot of people yeah. heard like clear audience and clairvoyance and stuff like that and I know that you have that as a hypnotherapist um, yeah you know and I think it's becoming more and more people are becoming more aware of it more people are waking up in this time and I think this is a big piece of why autism is here I do want to say that um, there's a many many different reasons for autism and it's uh, it's individual for each person that comes through as we all have a different purpose to be here. Um, and we all have different lessons to learn here. And what I've, what I've been taught and, and believe is that, our, that, we, that the children actually choose us and we choose our children and there's contracts. So that's a whole other thing. And I work with my clients on that as well, sort of illuminating the contracts. And, and there's a lot of, I think you had sort of brought it up before, like, there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings, and yes, there's also this sort of perfection, like this expectation of how I, I want my child to be, and that, that plays a big piece, you know, like how to sort of travel with that child after the diagnosis, and a lot of times when that diagnosis comes, it's like this sort of bomb, sort of like, because yeah. like, yeah. and I've seen it so many times, it's like the day before, it's, there's still hope, right, but then all of a sudden, like, especially with the technology and you can like Google autism. Now it's almost like too much information and still there's too much gloom with the, with that diagnosis and a lot of misunderstandings. So I can understand why there's so much suffering um, with both the parents and also the children, because the children one day will feel like, you know, a lot of joy and they can feel the energy an energetic shift when that diagnosis comes because now the parent is feeling overwhelmed and lost and all sorts of grief and all sorts of different emotions, which again, it's not wrong, you know, and there's no blaming here. It's just a little bit of awareness, you know, just to have. Yeah. Uh, So it's like to go through the process of grieving or disappointment that your child is different than you expected or you Mm -hmm. might've hoped and that there's going to be challenges in this journey, but at the same time to keep, at least part of the consciousness or to seek to arrive in a place of an awareness that your child is bringing you some really important gifts and some really important mm-hmm. lessons and teachings. And these contracts are two ways. Exactly. Like the parents get to get to benefit from it too, if they can be open to seeing it. Yes. Because it's part of their lesson as well. So having yeah. this kind of child is, is also the blessing in, in where they can actually open up and grow, you know, and yeah, growing, and we all know this, growing doesn't always feel easy, 
Although right. we wish it would. There are days where I'm like, okay, enough with the lessons today. I'm, I'm ready just to have a little coasting day. Thank you very much. Like, oh, right. Already. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my <laughs> right? God. So we also relate to Absolutely. it. We all have different lessons. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so I'll just go back to your question, which was like, you know, what are, what are the causes? So, like I said, there's, you know, as many people with autism, there's as many causes and reasons. And, okay. and sometimes... Sometimes these kids actually do come in um, without even vaccinations and they're autistic. And mm. so it has nothing to do with, with, with vaccinations for them. But sometimes, yes, it does have to do with vaccinations, but I'm not to say that that's what, what's causing it. A lot of it, these kids are here to reflect what is working in this world and what is not working in this world. They're like, oh. they're just this big reflector. So oh. we, most of us know that vaccinations are very toxic and, some people still will argue. So, you know, it's, everyone's got their own opinion. That's, that's not why I'm here. My, my thing is really just sort of eliminate the gifts. But I also know okay. from them that, you know, that they all have a different, you know, that they're here differently. Some of them are actually called here to, to live this autistic experience to help mm-hmm. raise the consciousness. Um, and that might sound a little bit out there, but makes a lot of sense in times that are really chaotic, like, like we're living through today. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, yeah, like the education system still hasn't changed in over 100 years. And now we have like this surge of kids that are on the spectrum and ADD, ADHD and dyslexia and like the list goes on and on. And so now it's like, okay, so who's going to budge? You know, a lot of of parents are homeschooling their children now. So things are shifting. So you have to look at sort of the bigger picture Mm -hmm. versus the little picture to see like what's really, really happening. Okay. Yeah. So, like, that. when they're yeah. showing, like, the, the vaccinations and some of them, um, like, the kids that I'm really talking about that I call, the ones that I'm working with, the nonverbals that, that I call autistics, I, I actually call them, like, the high-vibe autistics, and they're the mm-hmm. ones that are working on, like, higher levels, and they're working in um, multi-dimensions and stuff like that. Mm, um, wow. They're not all working on that level. It's just like regular human beings. Some are that. Some are more evolved than others, or more awakened than others. Whatever word okay. you want to use. Sure. And the same thing with the kids. But I, I, from my experience though, like these children, everyone that I've met in 28 years, a lot of children I've worked with, um, like thousands of children. And one thing I noticed with kids that are on the spectrum, they're all they're receiving the information. No matter even if they're not talking, they're receiving it. They're they're understanding, they're receiving it. The output is another story. That, you know, the way that they express their words is another story. Okay. But if okay. we really, really take into heart that they are extremely intelligent beings, and they are, mm-hmm. if you can really, really receive that from me, I know this 100%, that they are. Unless there's another diagnosis, but, but if they have like a straight-up autism diagnosis, highly intelligent beings. And don't judge mm-hmm. the book by its cover, which means like, Yes, some of them stim, some of them are uh, repeating echolalia, scripting, which is, you know, repeating, you know, same thing over and over again or repeating the same line over and over again or just like uh, flapping their arms. So people get really, really nervous when they see people that, that are acting different and then they have, you know, their own inner reactions and stuff like that. They're, they get nervous and scared and stuff like that. And that's kind of what brings up, you know, the fear. So... That's where we do. That's where we do the work. That's where the work okay. is. So I'd I'd love to make um like some more distinctions and clar- bring more light and clarification to what you're 
bringing yeah. up here, you know, and um, when you're saying that that many of the children diagnosed with autism are mm-hmm. highly intelligent beings, but that mm-hmm. we might not know it because they're doing eliciting behaviors that make them look unwell or not smart. Like if you were smart, you would just use your words and say, right. I need attention <laughs> or I need you to stop what you're doing. But instead they do these things that you're calling like stimming, which is like, is that like a repeated thing or like the flapping of the arms? Like self-stimulating? Yeah, what is stimming? Right. Yeah, stimming is a flapping of the arms, you know, just... It looks like, to me, like, you know, they're moving a lot of energy, and they're yeah. just flapping, and some will be like, okay, you're going to fly away, because they're just flapping so hard. But it's it's mm-hmm. helping them regulate their energy as well. Okay. So there's okay. a lot that's going on under, you know, like, below below the scenes, or whatever that expression is. It's like, right. there's, there's yeah, things that are happening that. underneath that you're not able to see, you know, because okay. I do, I talk to a lot of the kids, and and I ask them, you know, why are you flapping or, you know, you know, why, why do you need to flap? And they'll say it just helps them regulate or sometimes it's because that's the way they express their joy, you know, but I think it's because the rest of us have a certain belief. Again, we're in this sort of little box of like, Oh my God, if my kid's not acting normal, then people are going to judge me. And so there's a lot of that. Right. So it's almost like, you know, they're helping us sort of get out of that box because we're so restricted in this little box of trying to fit in. And these are kids that will never fit in. And there's so many people trying to get them into this little box, and they're so expensive. Like you said it before mm-hmm. with uh, your friend's son. It's like his energy is so vast, and their energy is so vast. And their brain is wired differently. They're here to they're, – they're just here to be – they're here to – they have a different purpose than the rest of us do. So for us to, like, try to – you know, fit them into this little box, first of all, it's going to cause us suffering. You know, I, I believe me, <laughs> I've endured a lot of suffering myself just because I tried to, like, I'm just going to try to help you fit in, blah, 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 you know, and then it's like, what oh, I my God, know? I've got some stories, you know, where yeah, it's like, they're not they're not me, you know, I can try to make them like me, but I, I tend to lose in that game when I tried to make them into me <laughs> or how I, or how I behave. <laughs> it's amazing. Cause it's like, we can see that kind of thing in like generations before where we're like, you know, my parents wanted me to be like this or my grandparents mm-hmm. wanted my parents to be like that. And they're like, heck no. Heck no. Right. Or like, exactly. okay, I'll, I'll compromise to some degree. I'll become a doctor, but I'm not going to fill in the blank or I'll get married, but I'm not going to fill in the blank. Like we've compromised who we are in order to fit into society, in order to please our parents or like the generational norm. Mm-hmm. But it seems like these kids that have been diagnosed with autism are like, um, I don't really care about what you consider to be norm. You know, I'm just going to be like this infinite exactly. presence. <laughs> and like, you do you, you know, I'm going to be over here enjoying the beautiful sparkle of the sun on this spoon and like how beautiful is that they do they talk to you about that too like how they can get really like over focused on things that we don't understand do you do you understand that well what what i'm hearing too what came forward for me was the way that they're unprogrammable and they're unconditionable mm-hmm. so the rest wow. of us are very conditioned and you know you can see them children they're they're very free free-spirited when they're, like, you know, up till about five, six, seven years old. And then around seven, you know, what happens? We're in, like, first grade, second grade. 
usually happens around, definitely around second grade, where now there's expectations of how to be the perfect student, and now you're going to get rewarded for being the perfect student, and there's a lot of pressure mm. on being uh, like a, a well, you know, just a well-behaved student, and there's certain ways to be a student and all of that stuff. And with these kids, it's like they don't even have that program how to be a student. <laughs> so, mm. They don't have that program how to be the perfect student or whatever. They're, and they're, they're not going to pick it up. They're not going to pick not, it up. They can't pick it up because they don't have that program, but we have this program. The rest of us. Right, we're like, and, okay, we, we, we think it it's right. so great. <laughs> Tell me how to do it right. I just want to fit in. I just want to be accepted. Oh my god. Yeah. And then, then we see them as disabled because they're not playing our game. Right. They're <laughs> not willing to play our game. Um, yeah, and, and we then, get frustrated because we can't make them fit in either. <laughs> so yeah. it's like it's frustration yeah. versus and with them, you know, and like I notice that like if I'm frustrated, then they're gonna even they're gonna like they're gonna yell my frustration at me even louder. So I'm like, oh my oh. god, can you just like can you just follow direction? Sit down, hands down, you know. And I was like, ah, you know. Sorry, you guys, but you know, you guys who, who know autistic kids, you know what I'm talking about. You know, absolutely. You just, just no, I want to bring that up. Yeah, I mean, there it's is important screaming to be, involved. There is definitely screaming involved in the situation. Screaming, slapping, all of that. And I think when you become aware of, like, it's actually you who, like, I'll just speak for myself. Like, uh, so one time I was working with this kid, Matthew, and I was at, kind of at the end of my um, my ABA run, and I was ready to, I was ready done. Like, in my mind, I was done. I was out the door. But I still had, like, a couple months that I was still there. And I, you know... And I saw his mom and, you know, working in his house and everything. And and I just said, oh, he's so aloof today. So I asked the mom, oh, Matthew, he looks so aloof today. Did he have a good day in school? She's like, well, actually, he got a really great letter home today. And I was like, oh, he did? I was thinking, I don't know. Are you sure? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so then I go and I sit outside and, and it just, like, dawns on me. I'm like, I don't want to be here. Oh, my God. Like, it's me. I don't want to be here. I'm the one that's being aloof. <sighs> Whoa. And as soon as I was able to fix that, just be like, you know what? I went up to Matthew because I am who I am, and I'm really authentic. You know, I really work at my authenticity with the children. Because if I'm not, then they're going to reflect to me where I'm at anyway. So I'm just like, Matthew, you know what? You're right. You know, I really don't want to be here. But you know what? Right now, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. We're just going to do mm. what we both want to do. And we ended up going. We were jumping on the trampoline together and all of a sudden, like, I said, okay, we got to do a little bit of work, but we're going to come back and, we're, you know, it was my truth. You know, I wasn't like, I was like, oh, that was me. So, you know, just catching yourself when you're in this place of incongruency, you know, like, so I come in like. Meaning like you're behaving differently than you're actually feeling. Yeah. You know, like your mind, your thoughts, your actions have to be completely aligned. And when they're not, the kids totally tune into that. So like if I'd be like, and they always are, they always complain about that with uh, typical people. It's like, well, you know, you're saying that you're that that you're fine, but you but inside like your emotions are really angry. Like he's angry, Ooh. you know. So but what are we they're supposed pretending... to do with that? What are we supposed to do? Because yeah. I mean, isn't it just an ordinary like human experience that we shouldn't just have to be like, don't be angry, Lori, because you're going to mess up your kid. But, like, do you admit it, or do you just try yes. to deal with your anger separately? Or which is you admit better, it. Or? You admit it. You, you're you just catching it. yourself and saying, you know what? Yeah, I don't really want to be here. I told Matthew. I was like, you know what? You're right. I don't want to be here, but you know what? I, I'm glad I'm here with you. 
you know, and okay. now I'm aware. And so, okay. like, instead of me being like, oh, Matthew, I, like, I really want to be here. No, I don't really want to be here. Like, I was just like, <laughs> so the only truth was, like, I really don't want to be here, but I really want to have fun. And that was my truth. I really want to have fun with you. Amazing. And so we went, Amazing. you know, again, we went on the trampoline, which he loves. <laughs> and even though, even if I had to, like, take it a little bit, I was like, okay. So you got to jump because I'm just going to sit. You got you to bounce me now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, but that was my so, truth. And he, he was connecting with me because I was being authentic. Everything was Okay. Alive. So I think our beautiful, and that makes so much sense. And I want to say that I think, you know, our ordinary sort of human thought or what we've been conditioned to is don't offend people with your truth. Like, don't be so <laughs> rude to say, I don't really want to be here with you right now. But it also sounds like, or what I'm hearing you say, is that for these kids, and maybe for all of us to some degree, I don't know, I'm just kind of exploring this right now, but mm-hmm. at least for these kids that they would rather hear you say, look, I feel annoyed with you right now. I don't really feel like being here. And like that he, that, that child Matthew felt more um, appreciative of you, your honesty than you pretending like, hi, Matthew, it's so good to see you. I'm so happy to do this with you right, right. now. And he's it, like, it's lying. It doesn't even really matter about my words and think about it. Why are they really almost, uh, you know, voiceless, you know, the verb, nonverbal, not speaking. Is, they're showing us that the words are not as important as we think that they are. Wow. You know, there was even wow. a, a, a guru master named Mayor Baba, and he didn't speak for, I'm going to say 44 years. He was, he actually chose not to speak. He would use sign language, which everybody started having to learn sign language, and his sign language was not American Sign Language. So they had to actually meet him where he was at, and he was a master, okay? He was a fully enlightened soul avatar. Mm. So Mm. that's coming up for me. They're showing us that the words, it doesn't matter the words so much as you being true to yourself. Dang. So that's one of their primary teachings, their their gifts, their primary gifts is, Rely less it's my, on it's our vibe. Words. It's our vibe. Like if you're being true to yourself, your Whoa. vibe is a higher. You know, your vibration's higher. That's what it's about. Dang. Yeah. True to yourself. <laughs> oh my god! For some reason, that like hurts my heart. And so, like I know that I'm supposed to be like, yes, be true mm-hmm. to yourself. But I'm just like, oh my gosh! I think it's just like this collective collective experience as well as like my own personal experience of like all the ways that we compromise ourselves, all the ways that I compromise mm-hmm. myself to be human, to like pretend I'm normal <laughs> right right i mean it's baby steps it's, so it's just awareness so it's sad. just awareness right okay all right cool. you know but so, i i i mean i suffer i struggle with that as well it's like oh my god i'm completely incongruent today or you know just but it's okay oh. i mean it's just the awareness this is where i am today you know but mm-hmm. when when you're with the children and it's very easy to experiment with this i mean i work with parents all the time and in one session, even just like an introductory session, uh, introductory session is like, okay, this is what I want you to experiment with, you know, and just like, you know, your child, again, I don't know if we're going to get into the whole multidimensional piece that they, they work at. Um, but even mm-hmm. right now, there's a lot of them that are listening into this conversation right now <laughs> because wow. multidimensional means that they're not just, they don't have to physically be her or, you know, that... And and it's true for all of us, but we're not all conscious of it. We're not all okay. conscious that we're that we're uh, you know that we're multidimensional. You can say I'm okay, definitely so not. 
So what you're saying, I just want to say again, make sure I'm understanding clearly, make sure everyone can understand clearly, is like the idea that we're all multidimensional beings. We're not just 3D, even though our senses would have us really believe that we're just 3D. We're actually multidimensional beyond three dimensions. And that these children who've been diagnosed with autism, many of them, but not all of them, have right. the capacity to be aware of that on an ongoing kind of a way where they're like, I can project my awareness to where Lori is and I can project my awareness to where my mom is in the other room mm-hmm. or at work. Yeah. Even if they play this, if they play this recording, the ones that are really like aligned, the higher vibe ones. And again, they're all high vibe because they're, they're in this like unconditional loving, accepting place, living in the moment. But there's, they're ones that are fully like awakened to that oneness. They live in the oneness. Um, so are they at peace even though they seem like really distressed or how do those two things go together? They are they are at peace but because they are also experiencing the suffering that's happening on this earth right now. So yes right. they're living in oneness they know what what reality is but they also have to live in this reality which is very dense which means that a lot of chaos happening and there's a lot of contrast you know black and white and Good, good and bad and all of that. And, it, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we can't just say, oh, they're living in bliss all the time. However, a lot of times okay. when they're going into their own world, which a lot of us will say, well, my kid, he's in his own world. They are actually yeah. going into another dimension. And that dimension really is all about love, bliss, and joy. And okay. my question to everyone is, how, how can you get them to be more involved here on, on Earth? Here right. in this plane, in this dimension that we're living on right now, you know what right. I mean. That's that's where I put my attention. Exactly. Yes. Here for a reason. So, what is the answer to that? Now I'm going to just turn it back around on you and go. Yeah. Okay. I love Larry, it. How do we? I, how do we get them? I mean, I feel like I totally relate to that too because I'm also like, can you answer that for me too? Because I'm like, I want out sometimes. You know, I want to go back to the multidimensional reality of oneness and bliss and unified field of beauty and love. And I'm trying to find that here on the planet. But sometimes I'm like, I'm good. I'm out, you know. So at the same Mm -hmm, time, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure that the kids that are even more sensitive and more vulnerable um, to the world than I am, like, they need this question to be answered. So, Lori, how do we get these kids to be more interested in being in their bodies? And being in this world and, you know, being able to share their gifts as their, you know, I guess you could say their souls intended and, and coming into a body and incarnating into a body. I love it. Okay, I love it. I love it. So, yes, they have, they have a body. We all have yeah. a body. And we have to take care of this body. I mean, yes, I see their gifts. And I've been okay. blessed to be able to see their gifts and who they are. And I'm so grateful for that gift. But I also know that we all have a, ba- a baby. <laughs> We all have a body that we have to take care of. Maybe we should mm. treat it like a baby. <laughs> mm, maybe that's what that was. Yeah. Yeah, because of whatever came through me. That's what I'm saying. Like, where did that word come from? I don't know, but there must be a reason for that. <laughs> um, and then, like, yeah. don't ever, like when they, words come through you, maybe you should just say, wow, where did that word come from? Like, I didn't even, like, see that coming. Yeah. Like, instead of being like, wow, I just, like, you know, but no, a baby came through. <laughs> so what what I know for sure is that, you know, right now, the foods that we're eating, you know, are not highly nutritious. There's a lot of chemicals going on. There's a lot of toxins and stuff like that. Um, 
I know a lot, a lot of parents will say, well, my kid is really picky and he'll only or she'll only eat certain foods. But it's like everything. It's like you talk to that child like, you know, this body is going to help you live a better life here. Yes, you can always go into another dimension, but we want you to live here. I think that there's a lot of great opportunities. Um, just getting, you know, just being aware of the foods that you are putting into the child's body because okay. that, that body is going to, you know, if, if, if that body is well fed and taken care of, it'll be more grounded here. And there okay. are a lot of issues in the body right now with the kids and because they're sensitive they're picking up, whether it's chemicals, it's, it's like exasperated. It's like, you know, it's like magnified, right? Yeah. So, so for the rest of us, and I'm really sensitive, but not that level of sensitivity, but me I can too, relate. Like I said right. yesterday, I, could, I couldn't even make it out of my house, but I have a choice. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I decided not to go. But some of these kids are kind of forced, oh, we're going out today. It's like, oh, my God, please don't do it. <laughs> but, oh, my um, goodness. Wow. But, you know, I think, again, it's like, I know these kids really need to, you know, eat, have more greens in their in their diet. So I think that's okay. an important piece. I know, I know some of them are like, well, good luck on that, you know. And I've heard it all again, 28 years, believe me. And I've helped some of these kids uh, eat better, you know, like whatever. But like it's baby steps, you know. It's like a little adding. It's not like taking away. There's things that maybe in the future we have to really look at the animals that we're eating because a sensitive person does feel you know, the trauma that the animals go through, and I'm not going to make graphic piece out of this, but use your imagination. These kids that are sensitive are feeling everything. So Mm -hmm. with that being said, just imagine what they're they're picking up on. And, you know, if there's a lot of anger in that child, you know, that's a piece that I would look at is uh, how much meat that that child's eating. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. it's for everyone or not. I'm not saying you should do it or not. I'm just just planting a little seed out there that a sensitive person is going to react even more strongly to, to different stimuli. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if you want to really ground that child here, I think that you really have to listen to them. You have to be willing to meet them where they're at. Um, when I've done that with the children, like I've seen miracles, like I don't expect any of the children that are nonverbal to speak to me, and yet they speak to me because I don't expect them to speak to me. <laughs> so... Is it really like that I, simple, though? Is that, could it be that simple for a parent to just be like, I don't expect you to speak to me, and then they it's speak? Hard. Or, it, but don't you think it's it. more than that, like a willingness or an openness to believing? It, it does start as a believing, and like I said, it's not like I was born yesterday believing what I believe today or having the perspective that I have today, but it's okay. starting to, like, show me, show me your gifts. Uh, I was, I, I interviewed on my podcast this mom, um, who I personally know this family, and she was really frustrated with her daughter for so many years because she was nonverbal and she was doing all these behaviors. And then she started taking like, you know, like some classes, like Bible classes or something. And then, you know, that expression is like, um, it's like seeing God, seeing your child, seeing like being the image, being the perfect image of God. So she would actually like, she would have like her sort of meditation and say, well, you know, if my child's perfect in, in the image of God, then, then you have to show me because I don't see it right now. And she just, Whoa. like, you know, sort of did this, like, constantly. It wasn't a one-time deal. She did this, like, okay. every day. Every day oh until gosh. something happened. Right. It was like, okay, if this is really true, like, and the Every podcast, day until something happened. Yeah, I have a podcast with this interview, and it's really, really, it's really profound. It's one of my favorites. 
interviews because it's just full of nuggets of how she how she reached her child, and now they have a completely magical uh, relationship. And now, like, her daughter has her goals, you know, for college and even what she wants to do in life, which before was like just like a loop of like I'm just gonna have to take care of her for the rest of her life and my life, and I'm worried about the future. It was like she was able to like meditate and get a lot of support, you know, and also get her out of, like, it was really important for her to be around people that believed in her. So people that didn't believe in her, her mom was like, "Mm, this is not working. So. Dang. This, this, this conversation is full of nuggets. I'm so, so grateful. This is really profound. I feel like we could talk for a whole. (laughs) I know. I'm so grateful for this conversation as well. Thank you. I'm so grateful too. And I just want to, again, illuminate that last nugget. And if you guys need to listen to this again, it's going to be um, on iTunes as a podcast. And um, that's a really good way to access this and re-listen to it. I would really love to re-listen to this. And I'm definitely going to be sharing it with my friends um, and family members who I know are affected by Mm -hmm. autism and would love to encourage um, our listeners to do the same thing. So in that last piece there, and then we got to wrap up. And I also want to acknowledge... um, Lori, who, who you are again, and also just ways that people can contact you and get in connection, work with you, and um, get a hold of your book. You have a book that's been published, is that right? It's it's not quite published yet, but it's on the way, and um, you can Great. reach me at my website, www.thegiftsofautism.com, which is the gift, G-I-F-T-S, mm-hmm. of autism.com so beautiful that's the best way to reach me and you can yeah just reach out to me i'd love to support you and have lots of great awesome offerings as well amazing i know that you do indeed and just to illuminate that last point one more time is like that every day until until something happens that that mother teaching us that place of holding that intention of Mm. you know like that prayer or that openness that willingness even if you don't totally believe it yet just Mm -hmm. being in that open place of hey god spirit source creator jesus (laughs) whatever you would call Mm -hmm. that that (laughs) higher knowing if if you've made my child in your likeness and image the reflection of your essence show Mm. me Show me how I can see that. Help me to see mm. that through your eyes. And, like, that makes me want to do that for everybody that I know as well. That's beautiful. That's Especially beautiful. the people where I'm like, uh-uh, not you. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. That's fantastic. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Lori. I'm so, so blessed to have this time to um, have this conversation with you and to share the, the profound, profound wisdom that's mm. coming through, you know, teachers and listeners and fears like yourself who can see the children unveiled uh, and see them in their multidimensional selves and see the new human design that is being invited. Yes, Uh, yes, as Mm -hmm. a result of these beautiful children who were learning how to communicate non-verbally and sometimes verbally with as well. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much, Lori Shayu. Again, you can reach Lori at the gift of autism.com and you're listening to the hypnotic comics live show thank you so much thank you thank you Gemma. thank you to all the listeners i'm so grateful for this Mm. time and opportunity so much yeah me too and you're welcome thank you so much Lori. and um big shout out thank you to doug our producer who's making this all possible and also thank you to namid wolf whose song is in the intro of our show 
So we will be back again next week, Monday at noon on BBS Radio, and we will talk to you then. Much love, everyone.